Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode here on Sticks and Bones with your ghost host, Chelsea N10. And today we're very excited because we have another special guest with us to discuss um, Nordic symbology and ancient tattoos. And our guest today is Peter. Hi, Peter. How are you? Peter is a tattoo artist and established oh. author and specializes in um, Northern European symbology. So welcome, Peter. We're excited to have you. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I'm yeah, of course. Oh, we yes. Go ahead, we've Tom. been looking forward to this for so long. I know we've gotten crazy questions for almost a year now about tattoo symbology and all of their issues that comes with it. Um, so we thought what better way to talk about this than to have a professional on who not only knows and is well accustomed to the symbology and their problems, but actually puts the symbols on people's skin. You know, it's wearable artwork. Yeah, it no. is. I'm going to start. Well, I have lots of disclaimers for this. Oh, yeah. Uh, Feel free. I'm going to start with uh, disclaimer number one. I'm not mm -hmm. actually a professional. I'm just an enthusiast that mm -hmm. nerds out on everything <laughs> I come across. And I've worked within this field of like North European ornaments for 12 years. And I have been into the so-called Viking Age since I was a kid. And I've inhaled every bloody book that I could find on the subject. I but that. I have no degrees um and but a lot of opinions so um yeah professional i don't think it's the term professional tattoo artist i'll take that one professional tattoo artist it is all right fair fair um <laughs> but do you want to give us a little bit of your background you know how did you get into this i know you mentioned it briefly um you know what are your qualifications to talk on this i know we love following your tiktok and your account 10 has your book so we love the work that you do and your opinions and your squashing white supremacy ideology but how did you get started and what are your credentials to really speak on this? Um, how did I get started with? Well, okay. So I became a tattoo <laughs> artist purely by chance. Um, yeah. 2008, uh, economy crashes and I went bankrupt. I used to do special effects for a living, um, yeah. making trolls and monsters and weird shit. That's for really cool. Yeah, That's so cool. cool. <laughs> it was really fun, but when the economy crashes it's also very unnecessary so that went down the drain and i sat on a farm in the middle of sweden and had to like uh, rethink my life mm -hmm. and uh long story short a friend offered me to teach me how to tattoo he's an old tattoo artist um and he offered to teach me and i was like yeah that's a terrible idea let's never do that but thanks <laughs> because i've related tattoos to bikers and criminals and that was basically what it was at the end of back then um since then there's been a big art movement that has uh, grasped the tattoo environment thank the gods <laughs> um but yeah after a few days of thinking i came back to him and said yeah okay fuck it let's do this i need a i need a new life i need something to do i need a career um maybe i can start here and so he taught me to tattoo kicked me out the door and told me to go tattoo my friends and then um, yeah after a year i had a studio after two years i had my first international client wow and then i opened up a tattoo studio on the high street of copenhagen moved that to uh, the high streets of barcelona eventually wow. uh, and then i've dr somehow drifted to the northeastern shores of england where i now reside um in a corner of the world called whitley bay um and in the process of all of this these 12 13 14 years i don't remember um on this journey uh 
magic, runes, Viking Age artwork, Iron Age artwork, Bronze Age artwork, yes. any type of ornaments from all over the bloody globe um, has been my field of study. And some of them have become, well, fields of expertise. I think there's certain types of ornaments that I know more about than almost anyone else on the planet by now. Because <laughs> uh, I stare about at them at them for many, many hours trying to discern what the fuck they have been and what they can become. I get that. Um, I, I, I too, sometimes like, where is this coming from? And when you don't have enough information, because not anything is documented, especially when you're looking at Norse artwork, which I know we talked about, there's very little, you're like, where is this coming from? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, that, that in itself is a fun subject. That's actually disclaimer number two. Whenever we talk <laughs> about these subjects, um, pray everyone remember we might have three to 5% of the available information that could have been out there, but things have been destroyed, lost, buried, fell into the ocean, whatever the fuck, um, destroyed on purpose by the church, stuff like that. Um, sorry about that. I don't know why there's sound on my computer that shouldn't be there, but I can't stop it. Um, oh, gods, it's Desmond Child, make him go away. It's okay. It's not picking up on our end, so you're good. Oh, you're good. good. Yeah, uh, bing I, sound. I, I I usually have to tell my students when I teach anything Northern European outside of Rome is we are so lucky with what we have because the environment take away everything the burnings um just destruction levels um the environment is just not hospitable to much surviving archaeologically. And when we do find stuff, it just blows our minds. Um, not everything is going to be as perfectly preserved as we have in Egypt or, you know, ancient Mesopotamia, where those conditions are just more hospitable to it. So we are coming for Northern European ancient history of Bronze, Iron Age, Roman period and beyond. Very, very few things like peter just mentioned three to five percent on a good day on a good day yeah and we are also so unlucky that we i mean while the runic um scripts and like so-called alphabets were in existence they in existence they were quite uh rarely used um for anything really because <laughs> it was such a rare talent to have to be able to to read and write so while for example uh, we have amazing cuneiform tablets from Mesopotamia that explains orders of grain, qualities of bronze, yes. and uh, how some farm is uh, being uh, let let go to waste and the farmer should be punished. Like all these amazing notes from That's... then, 4,000 years ago, and right around the neighborhood here, a thousand mm -hmm. years ago, we don't know what the fuck happened because no one bothered to write anything down. So... So, you know, there's a massive gap, but at the same time with art history, I, we can, I work currently, I'm nerding out on the, the development of the Nordic styles from uh, from Salin's uh, style one up to and ends with the Urnus style. And there's an amazing journey and you can follow it in detail because we've got all of these items and they all like link into each other. There's translations of the same beasts and masks and all these things. So and you can see there must have been centralized workshops creating these things. So you can draw conclusions, but, oh, God. And every every day something new comes out of the ground. I've just been reading uh, reading my way through old German 
the Altgemeinische Tierornamentik by Bernard Salling himself, which is written in like 1910 or something, 1912. Mm -hmm. And it's his treatise, his writings on style one, two, and three, the whole the Wendel uh, civilizations and all these things. Um, but he wrote that even before the Sutton Who mounds would undug, like before they were opened. He didn't have access to, for example, the Sutton Who helmet, um, wow. which is style two of his own style. He never saw that. He died before that came out of the fucking ground. Crazy. Um, and he still managed to write a manual on it. Um, so, and, and it's still, we still use the term style one, two, and three to define lots of things that come out of the ground, but those are styles that were written before we found all the things that are to be found. So there's, there's always these overlaps and information gaps and fucking giant black holes in communications. Plus, of course, the unwillingness of universities to make knowledge accessible. I mean, I've had to spend thousands on books that are bloody impossible to get because they are stuck in university libraries and the digital versions of them that might exist are fucking terrible. So you have to pay with your soul to get that act, uh, that get that knowledge. It's just, yeah. So, so yeah, the disclaimer is basically we, we're working in a field that's full of weird, dark spots. So yes. bear with us, please. I should use that to define archaeology. We're going at this with a lot of big, dark spots. <laughs> That's hey, our whole podcast. We just come at things from a weird, dark place. We're like, and what you said about accessibility, this is also why we yes. do what we do and want to have other people in the community who are enthusiasts or know what they're talking about because- not everyone has access to this information. And I think that's why it's so important for us to team up with other teachers. I know you don't like to be called a teacher, but <laughs> other people out there in the ether that want to connect and talk about these things, especially when it's white supremacist ideology, problematic Norse symbology. We need to team up together and discuss and combine communities and get this information out there. So thank you again. Really appreciate you being on because... This is a touchy subject. And like you just said, there's not a whole ton of information we're working with. So. <laughs> yeah. A very touchy subject. Um, yes. Often misused. So yeah, that's, that's a good one to talk it about. It is. What was disclaimer? How many disclaimers did you say you had? You had three, four five. How many were there? Uh, I mean, we've made it through two. There's probably going to be another five before okay. we're done with this. Okay. Um, <laughs> I was like, I haven't it. planned them really. It's just, you know, uh, um, uh, the internet is a funny place and if you don't give a disclaimer um then yes, people i mean I, I posted a photo of my child that i had made drawings on i took a photo put it on my ipad and drew pictish symbols on her face yeah. and i posted it and i had to give, a, give a disclaimer that they were not actual tattoos it was just a drawing because people there were people that were like oh my god child abuse the fact that you have to say that and communicate about this and disclaim this shit, mm -hmm. people jump their guns on the internet a lot. So, yes. so yeah, I've it's become a thing. Uh, and I think the only reason that I'm giving disclaimers on uh, your podcast is because it's not my podcast. If people are on my channels, they're going to have to put up my, with my, my angry bullshit and my autism and my yeah. unfilteredness. But I'm trying to be a little bit more polite. That doesn't mean I'm not going to be swearing. It just means that I'm trying to be helpful to your listeners that might not be used to my output. 
No, I totally, I, I completely understand. And um, like I said, we have, our platform tends to be people who are new into discovering all of this. So I get the disclaimers. We disclaim ourselves and don't worry about the cursing. I curse on here all the time. So they're, they're used to that. Love I'm going to be saying the F word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, a disclaimer of my own before we move into kind of a great opening topic is for everybody listening, I've said this once, I'll say it a million times here, is history is uncomfortable. Yes. And Today, we are going to be talking about concepts, ideas, symbology that may be uncomfortable, but we do have to talk about it because a lot of this symbology artwork um, from the Northern European Iron Age and on has been used, has been taken by the neo-Nazi male buckets out there, and we need to be aware of the symbology and the harm that it actually can be doing. So, Peter, if I may actually just start the conversation, what is your, trying to think, how do you combat and re-educate people on runes that have been bastardized and runes that have turned into whistleblowing symbols. Right. How do I do that? Um, do you get pushback? Some. I think I just shout out angrily about it on my social media platforms. Um, I've So, first of all, I've, I try every once in a while to speak out against racism nazism neo-nazism and like uh, the the ridiculous weird alt-right movement who pretends not to be nazi but are all these things um every once in a while we'll do a video on it just to purge and get get rid of these people that inadvertently start following me thinking that oh my god he is a large bald scandinavian he yes. must be racist like me <sighs> and oh my god how wrong you fucking are. Um, so yeah, everyone once in a while, we speak out against it. Uh, and then I constantly try to educate people. Uh, we're currently talking a lot on my TikTok and Instagram about what symbols have been abused, misused, and are misunderstood. But at the same time, I'm trying to make sure that people understand that you can get these things tattooed. Um, I'll start by politely angling myself weirdly mm -hmm. this is a calcutta mm -hmm. swastika on my thumb to those who want to be upset with me from the beginning <laughs> get it out of the way now from i have around 100 swastikas tattooed on my body but i have them because it's important to me to reclaim that symbol and i have no problem explaining this symbol again and again and again and again i have been on radio shows tv shows and all sorts of shit explaining this symbol and why it is important to reclaim it. Because the way I see it is, if you remove the fear of the symbol, you remove the power of the bad people that are abusing it. Because like, imagine that the next time someone paints a swastika on a Hindu building, a Hindu temple or a synagogue, that instead of the media going, oh my God, someone painted a bad swastika, they are Nazis that they just go, oh, someone has oddly enough painted a symbol of luck and sunlight on this building. How very nice of them. It would be luck lovely to just approach it with a level of happy-go-lucky bullshit and just take the mick out of, of the neo-Nazi who inadvertently meant it as a negative, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and it's the same with the roots. If people are educated and aware of what the fuck they're dealing with, 
that's all fine. That that makes it so much easier if if you have tattoos on you, for example, which is what I deal with, that are runic or swastikas or similar, and you are aware of what the fuck they are, that's grand. Then it's okay as long as you can explain yourself. That being said, oh, disclaimer number three, mm-hmm. <laughs> there are symbols that you just should not fucking get because they are corrupted. They are broken. For example, getting a an even-armed black swastika on a white circle on a red flag tattooed yeah. on you, that's a no-go because that is a German Hackenkreuz that was used only by the by the National Party of the 1920s Germany. Don't go that way. It's a bad fucking plan. A lot of people were murdered and slaughtered in the shadow of that symbol. Don't yeah, go there. A double-edged rune, probably also a bad plan because, you know, that's very iconographically Nazi. Um, the, the black sun symbol, for yes. example, uh, is another one, even though... Uh, it is similar to symbols from uh, Greek archaeology, Greek history, and Roman history. It is actually the personal symbol of uh, Himmler and was his big sigil that was on the floor of Vivelsburg. Um Don't get that tattooed. And it's one of the things I see most commonly tattooed on people's shoulders, big fucking black suns. Um, and it is that that is just nothing but a Nazi symbol. It's not connected to North European Viking Age history or anything like that, even mm-hmm. though it has some semblance. That is not what it is. Um, so, you know, um, the Othalas, Odal rune, yes. that means yes. heritage, version of it that has like little uh, funny broken legs at the end. Modern alt-right uh, neo-Nazi thing, also dangerous. So... Be aware of those. There's a list of things. Exactly that one. Yes. There's a and list I love Othala. It is beautiful rune and the meaning yeah. of it is absolutely amazing. So yeah, there is a list of things that you should not get. Um, but there is a long list of things that you fucking should get as long as you know what the hell they are and you shouldn't let it become corrupted. Yeah, and I think that's no, important. I- the research aspect, which we always talk about on this podcast. I know we mentioned um, ancient tattoos and symbology to preview this episode. Um, in our last one, we didn't want to announce we were having Peter yet because it was a surprise. <laughs> but a lot of people came back to me and they were like, I didn't realize that that sigil of Pluto was not actually for Hades. You know, I got it tattooed on me. I didn't realize it was for Hades. And proper research when you're mm-hmm. going to get an uh, ancient symbol or a rune or a tattoo is so important. Like I cannot trust this enough um, because you need to know what you're getting tattooed on your body. Yes. Period. Absolutely. Um, I mean, it's always been an issue within the tattoo industry. Um, kanji symbols that people get tattooed, like people who are like, oh, I have this kanji symbol. It means home and family. No, it's 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 a letter that means house. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's a weird thing. And I mean, with Nordic runes and stuff, I constantly see, for example, the Berserker rune, which is just, it's an icon from a computer game, for fuck's sakes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Google did them dirty. Uh, Yeah, inform yourself a little bit. And the problem about it is very often, it was with the kanji symbols. um, You go to tattoo artists that don't know about it. Yes. Mm-hmm. They don't have the the knowledge accessible. They don't have the time to educate themselves on it. 
go to someone that knows their shit or at least educate yourself first and it might make you think a little bit better about what the hell you're getting to do. Tattoos are quite permanent for those of you who have not noticed. And if anyone says that they can do impermanent tattoos on you, they are lying. That is not really a thing. So you're so just, right. You know, make wise choices. Absolutely. And as a tattoo artist, what? how do you approach clients if they come in with questionable or horrible ideas for tattoos that, you know, they are using uh, like the squatting Othala, they want a certain kind of no-no symbol on them. How do you re-educate them about it? I, well, luckily I, I have no filters. So <laughs> I just tell them. Um, just tell them no, no, no. Really. Yeah, uh, I mean, I will explain to them why. Um, I should probably explain a little bit about my my way of working first. So almost all of my careers, uh, sorry, my clients, they travel in from abroad. Um, so I have good time to communicate with them via email uh, and explain to them what's going to happen, why it's going to happen. Of all the, the clients, potential clients that contact us, I think it's only like 10% that actually end up getting tattooed with me because we decline a hell of a lot of projects um, because they're just not things that I'm interested in doing or up for or too small, boring. I've done it before or whatever the fuck. Um, <laughs> and I've got clients, so I, I get to pick and choose. Um, but when people do write with something should we say unfortunate? Uh, even though I'm not going to be tattooing them, I will inform them that, oh, you might want to dodge that bullet uh, because you don't want that on you. Even if I say I'm not going to tattoo you, don't go and get it at someone else's tattoo shop because you yeah. will experience problems in your life if you wear that on the street in the wrong neighborhood and you don't know what the hell it is that you're actually wearing. Uh, and then sometimes, sometimes it gets really weird. Like I had a <laughs> Swedish client and be like, oh, I would love you, love for you to tattoo me. I love what you do. I love what you stand for. I want all of these symbols in my tattoo. And I looked at the list and I was like, these are, these are, I mean, they're not actually, like it's not actual Hakenkreuzes and stuff like that, but it's quite right-wingy symbols. A lot of them yeah. are used by the right wing. So I mentioned yeah. that to him in, in my reply, like, yeah, are you aware that <laughs> the symbols you want put on you, they're, you know, align quite well with uh, people who don't like you know brown skinned people and right. jewish people and stuff is that what you are you looking for these tattoos and he was like yes i belong to the swedish right wing uh fuck everyone else white supremacy bullshit is great uh just like utter asshole and i would love for you to tattoo me and i was like that's you, a bold move, sir. Place, yeah, he read you wrong. He you read are. you entirely wrong. <laughs> yeah, he did not do his homework, and it got really weird because I told him I am, I am, to most people's standards, quite far left. Although I don't find so myself. I'm, I find myself to be quite apart from modern polit political views. But you know, I, I come from a like Scandinavian socialist uh, country. I believe that there's space for everyone. Um, and I mean, my studio is populated by people that feel very much the same way and who are quite diverse in so many ways. Um, I didn't really think that he would enjoy himself coming to my studio. Uh, one of us would undoubtedly, uh, throw him out the window. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, he read you entirely the wrong way based on what you 
he did Ooh. but then he started arguing being like hey but i don't think uh, maybe we could just put politics aside and because i really like your work <laughs> like, oh. you're like yeah. my There's guy a, a very... i don't want to tattoo you <laughs> i was trying to be polite about it but there used to be a thing uh back in the days with tattoo artists with street shops mm. when you couldn't say no to whoever walked in if a couple of like nazi skinheads walked in you were kind of stuck with them so tradition was to just take your needle before tattooing and discreetly bend the tip of it on the steel table so the tattoo was going to fucking hurt and not heal nicely and then you would tattoo them with that and just basically put them through torture love that um so anyways, he did not get tattooed by me. He wrote again like three, four months later. I was like, mate, I really think your work is awesome. I think we can work together. I'm like, I don't fucking think so, you maniac. So, <laughs> I'm yeah, not right. your mate and I'm not tattooing you. <laughs> no. so, um, so yeah, it's fun to work within a field uh, where a lot of the iconography is trying to be claimed by people who uh, wishes hell on other humans and stuff like that. It's it's a weird, weird area of, you know, people come from one wing and want my work because they're Nazis and I don't want anything to do with them. And then people come from the other wing and they see my work and they're like, oh my God, you're a Nazi because you tattoo these things. N no, I'm, I'm, oh, fuck it. There's like no winning quite often, um, mm -hmm. especially because people choose not to educate them. I mean, it takes you have to watch three of my videos on Instagram or YouTube and you will be well aware that I think that if you are the type of person that piles, you need to be fired off the planet and into the sun. Right. Um, Absolutely. But if you only watch one video and you spot that rune or a swastika on my thumb or some shit like that, then you're immediately like, oh my God, you're a Nazi. Oh, just take your fucking time and educate yourself, bastards. That's the internet, isn't it? That's that's the whole thing behind the internet. It's like really just take the time to get to know somebody, listen to yes. their content, don't just watch one video. Um, mm -hmm. You get that as also personalities on the internet. Like, man, you got to be careful. People will say anything about anything, but yes. you got to have thick skin if you're going to exist on the internet. Just a little tidbit for the uh, people listening to our, the podcast. You got to be thick skin if you're going to be a creator or put yourself out there because, oh yeah, yes. claimers. I mean, especially, I mean, I got the runaround when I presented the archaeological findings from the Vindeliv treasure, where it has the oldest inscription of Odin on it. And in front of the man on a horse is a sun symbol, which is a swastika. And the people coming out of the woodwork saying, why is this here? Ba ba ba! all this crazy stuff. And as I've said before, this is a very ancient symbol. It unfortunately was bastardized by a man in the 30s and it did a lot of damage. But, you know, I think Peter really said it best. It is used worldwide. It has a extremely long history, but it doesn't take away from the pain it's caused. And it is something to just think about. I mean, you're putting it's a permanent thing like tattoos are permanent. <laughs> yeah. So people to just educate themselves. And I think on the topic of education, the crazy stuff I have seen, um, especially as a teacher, is, you know, what people are calling Viking tattoos. And I know the Vague Vasir and the yeah. Helm of Awe are two big ones who really swing for the fence every single time. So, Peter, are, yeah. are those Viking tattoos? Fuck no. <laughs> and we can just walk on. We can move on and have another conversation instead. <laughs> but we can also dive into it. No, um, <laughs> it is, 
It's a fun. Uh, I see it daily on, on Instagram, Facebook, and so on. People post their Vegvisiers. They post their Egisjalmur. They post other types of Galdrastafiers from uh, like the Huld manuscript and stuff like that. And uh, either they know that it's not Viking and they like, this is my Nordic tattoo. And someone else would be like, it's not Vikings. Like, no, notice the word Nordic. So it is from Iceland, which is a Nordic country. So it's legit to say Nordic. Whereas if I said Viking, it'd be a bit daft. Also because uh, the term Viking is actually a job occupation yes. and not a people of any type. So, you know, it gets even more fun. Uh, but uh, let's explore a little bit. So um, bind runes in general is a fun subject these days. You see mm -hmm. them everywhere. I'm very, very guilty of being the creator of hundreds of them. I've created an entire form language built upon the concept of bind runes. But bind runes are, in fact, uh, not really Viking. Because um, the bind runes that we see are typically sigils, Um where it really starts to come into modern context is, for example, the Vague Visir that we know uh, so very well because it's so fucking everywhere, uh, which is from an 18th century manuscript. Um, and the Egis Yalmur and then a pile of other Galdara stuff here. And most of them take root in like Solomonic magic. They're mm -hmm. Chris Christian and Judeo-Christian Solomonic magic. My fucking dinging computer um so it it has a root in esotericism and okay. the, the manuscripts that they're found in a lot of them are quite dark and i mean if the authors of those manuscripts were to you know come across people uh of you know the fervent kind of uh flame wielding psychopaths that put witches on bonfires in the day they would have gone on said bonfires because it's dark magic. Sure, it has roots in like Christian Judaic uh, traditions and magics and symbols, but it's still like, you know, necropants. There's a there's a, a, a bind rune or a sigil on how to make oh, that you need to use in order to make necropants. If you don't know what they are, Google it when this episode is done and you'll have fun because it's fucked up. There's a pair of them in Iceland. And yes, they are necrotic pants. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's terrifying so um, so yeah we, we know the bind runes from this whole like 18th, 16th, 17th, 18th century Icelandic magic and manuscripts and people think they're Viking they're not Viking they wow. do have a connection to runic script um, but so many things have a connection to runic script there's actually examples of runic script and alphabet being used very very late in sweden there was an isolated area that used um, a runic alphabet up to like the late 18th early 19th century that it was wow. in school um which is fucking brilliant um because for some reason there it was not cast out and replaced with latin they were also taught latin uh latin alphabets but sorry english is not my first language so sometimes i have to search for words you're good you would never four. know yeah i do because i fumble my word <laughs> all the fucking time you're good anyways um so yeah if you're getting one of these symbols tattooed know what the fuck they are that's all. I'm I'm not against people having a Vegas tattooed or an Egisjalmur tattooed, as long as they know what they are. 
I write about them in, in my book, which I think is called Runes, Bind Runes and Sigils or something like that. Um, yes, I forgot the title of my own book. Well done. <laughs> okay. um, I write about the, the, the historical connotations with these symbols um, because I think it's important for people to have that knowledge easily accessible. I also talk a lot about it on my social media just because, you know, the more you put it out there, the better it is. Um, and with them and with other bind runes, modern bind runes, ancient bind runes, and runes in general, again, it's the same as with the swastika. Get it tattooed if you know what the fuck it means and you're willing to take the debate uh, and arguments, which are endless. Um, but just try to educate yourself. Know what the hell you're getting. Um, right. That's, that's important in this The whole premise world. of the podcast is know what you're getting tattooed on you because i see it all the time like i even know people that have the vegvasir tattooed on them and i'm like and they even use the term viking they're like oh it's a viking tattoo i'm like well what peter just said viking's a job title and the vegvasir has nothing to do with anything i love the meaning behind the vegvasir it's one of my favorite mm -hmm. one of my favorites but you know you just gotta you just gotta do just just a little bit more digging before you get anything really tatted on yourself Absolutely. The Viking Age is a time period of like the late 8th century to like 1066. So like, please be aware yeah. it is just a time period and a job title. Yeah. yeah. So the Viking Age started uh, in 762, I think, right up the coast from here at Lindisfarne Monastery. It's an hour's drive from where I live. Um, awesome. And yeah, <laughs> I, I, I might have screwed up the date on that one. Sorry about that. Um <laughs> And the term Viking Age is amongst historians and archaeologists always this like it's almost taboo. If you write it, people get angry about it because everyone's annoyed at it, it, it because it is just the late Iron Age. It's only yep. called the Viking Age because that term has been used and it sticks. No one can get rid of it. I recently read an article from a, a, a Danish museum um, where they talked about like, all right, we're just going to put up with the term Viking Age because we can't get rid of it <laughs> everyone knows what we're talking about when we say viking age so that's mm -hmm. just it but it's ridiculous because we connect the viking age with this barbarianism the the raids and the occupation of foreign shores and the sacking of paris and all these things but most scandinavians were farmers at the time um there was a lot of craftsmen and then there was a fuckload of trade and then there was a little bit of like piracy and blackmail and going a Viking, um, fucking up other people's countries and taking their gold and their people as slaves. But of course, that part is what became most famous. Also, because in, in the history books, it then becomes, um, I came up with a term on my way to work this morning. It's like the, it's like whitewashing, but Christwashing. Um, yep. Yes. Where the Christian church made sure to make something look extra bad. Um, and they definitely made sure to make the Vikings, the pagan Vikings, look extra bad until everyone was converted to Christianity because it was quite important to make sure that the bad guys were the bad guys of the narrative, which is easy when you're the ones that know how to write things down. Right. Um, so, so yeah. Um, Viking Age, annoying term, but, you know, it's just... I know. It's oh, yeah. the one that sticks and like, I don't like to use it either, but I know, like you just said, when I'm saying it, that's what everyone knows what I'm referring to. It's just like, a, everyone knows it, no matter who you are, how much you're studying, even if you're not fully immersed in this, you know what the Viking age is. So True. I don't know what we're going to do about that. 
I'm just going to put up with it. Yeah. Yeah. We, we can choose <laughs> our battles here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that one is, it's a fight that is long lost. Um, yeah. So, but, um, but yeah, it leads down a lot of, uh, of a lot of rabbit holes about the whole, because when you use the term Viking age, you kind of acknowledge the whole, like the primitive, the barbarianism that's related to the idea of being a Viking, going a Viking, right? Mm-hmm. And if we if we are to view the Vikings only as these barbarians, then we overlook the richness of the culture, the value of the languages, uh, the value of the the script systems, the the Futhark and Elder Futhark and Younger Futhark alphabets. We overlook the craftsmanship, the skills that it took to navigate the seas in wooden bloody boats. Going to America on in a in a wooden ship at that time is mental. But no, no, let's just focus on the fact that they were uh, fur-clad barbarians um, on a TV show on uh, Netflix. Like, it's just it's yeah. and annoying. It is. It- I know, you know, TV has, you know, Hollywood has done its damage with, you know, Vikings and pushing kind of that like barbarianism onto it, but also romanticizing it at the same time, uh, which is so interesting and weird at the same time. But, you know, did did Vikings have tattoos? Do you have an opinion on that at all? I have a lot of opinions on that. Um, <laughs> I, have a very firm, I have a very firm standpoint on it. We don't know. Thank There's you. No and and from you're an archaeologist, so you will enjoy this part. Because we have one written source, Ibn Fadlan, who was a, a scholar from Baghdad, he mentions that he met some people at the mouth of the river Volga in, I think it's modern-day Bulgaria. Um, and he describes them as being decorated or painted. This is in Arabic script, so it can mean several things. And they were decorated from the the roots of their nails to the the, the beginning of the neck, I think it is, uh, with patterns that were reminiscent of trees, of like branches and like foliage growth, right? Um, that is the only real source we have. I came across a mention once by another Middle Eastern scholar, but I'm I. I've not been able to dig it out since then. And so I think it might have been someone's figment of imagination that they put on the internet and it yeah. wasn't actually true. So I'm, yeah. by now I just disregard that one. So even Fadlan, Fadlan, uh, famously depicted by Antonio Banderas in the 13th Warrior, for some fucking reason. Um, fun movie, actually. It's historically as incorrect as it fucking gets, but it was great, great entertainment <laughs> and better than most modern day Viking Age TV shows and movies, anyways. Um, where was I? Okay, so he mentioned these people that were possibly tattooed. They were decorated. He doesn't even say they were Scandinavians. He most likely met Rus Vikings, so Slavic tribesmen, Vikings, river travelers. They there might have been Scandinavians amongst them. There might they might even have been Scandinavian, but there's no evidence of this. So he's just talking about some people that he meets in Bulgaria that are decorated. And then people extrapolate the fact that, oh, Vikings were definitely tattooed. That's not evidence. We need a bloody corpse with mummified skin where we can see, yes. oh, one, they're from the so-called Viking age. And two, it's definitely tattooed. 
and all arguments that concern tattoos that are contemporary or around the same period, uh, Utsi the Iceman, yep. the Pachuca Princess, and so on. Sure, even close by, we have um, the paper bull that mentions that uh, Christian crusaders and pilgrims should shop, stop getting tattoos because tattoos are quite, kind of heathens. I, it's, I think it's 14th century that that's written in. That's like the nearest timestamp that we have where someone gives any verification of tattooing again. Mm -hmm. Even that, it doesn't help the argument because as long as we don't have any real proof, we can't say that they actually had tattoos. So while disclaim, that was disclaimer number four, while disclaiming that the Vikings... We don't know for a fact if they had tattoos. I strongly believe that they had mm -hmm. because they traveled. They traveled very far and wide. They definitely traveled down the River Volca and the Dnieper River, down to the middle Mediterranean and to the Middle East. The, they, we know for a fact that they were part of the Varangian Guard in the Byzantium Empire. They served the emperor of Byzant, modern-day Istanbul, I think. Is yep. that the name of Istanbul? Is that now? Okay. Yeah, it's it, it was Constantinople, then it changed. Then, yes, okay. And then Istanbul, yes. Fuck that. <laughs> so difficult to keep track of. And it's not even modern day. Um, <laughs> anyways, um, so they served there as soldiers, as the, the emperor's guard. And the Vikings, so-called Vikings, were suckers for ornaments and decorations and powerful colors fabrics that we've found, tablet weaves that we've found, gold items and jewelry, even uh, the teeth of the Vikings were decorated with filings. Like any surface that they could decorate with bright colors and cool ornaments, they would decorate. It was a way of showing wealth and skill and power. So them traveling into areas that we know had tattoos, and we do know that there were contemporary tattoos, in regions of other peoples that did travel to Byzantium. We know of Berber tattoos that are contemporary, for example, mm -hmm. that came into contact with the same cultures. So they, the odds of them encountering someone with tattoos, fucking high. And the second any of them would have seen that, they would have gone, I want that, come here. <laughs> Carve my face, do things to me, make patterns, it'll be awesome. And then they'd go home and be like, look, this guy stabbed me. And then he rubbed, <laughs> this suit stuff into these stabbings and I have tattoos. It's fucking cool. Um, but also because the concept of tattoos have cropped up all over the planet independently because making tattoos is fucking easy. It requires a sharp object and ashes, really. Well, suit. Um, and since we as humans know very well that ashes helps clean things, for example, clothes, uh, and you use ashes for all sorts of things. You use it for tanning and all these clever things. You use it to clean your uh, pottery and stuff like that. In you know, uh, you probably know some names from some of the different pottery cultures around. <laughs> oh uh, yeah. <laughs> um, we use it for all sorts of things, and therefore we would also have rubbed it into open wounds to clean them, mm -hmm. because we were well aware that if you get a cut or scratched by a bear that's trying to be gentle with you. You will get infections. Nasty things will happen. So you need to clean this shit. So you would go and you'd rub ashes into it. And some of those ashes would stick. Some of the suit would stick. And your scar would turn out darker than the other scars. And um, I wonder if I could just replicate this with a sharp stone. And some right. of the 
suit by rubbing it in. And then voila, our culture has then found tattoos. So, you know, yeah. the odds of the Vikings being tattooed are, to me, incredibly high. Um, we just don't have any evidence for it. So don't don't come even fatlaning the fuck out of me um, <laughs> in, in the comments section because it doesn't work. That's, no, not, I, that's not archaeological or historical evidence. I think that's so well said, especially because you brought up something that Chelsea and I have discussed elsewhere, you know, with um, religious practices um, moving throughout the Eastern Mediterranean is people are in contact with each other. Mm -hmm. People are well aware of each other and what people are doing at this time period. And even, you know, ancient tattoos such as Utsi, the Ice Princess, um, there's some in South America. There's some in um, Egypt that was just discovered. Yes. We we know that they're there. Unfortunately, you know, for um, archaeologists, especially with Egypt, we cannot unwrap mummies. So we cannot know if other mummies have tattoos unless that skin is showing. So Utsi, he was found in ice. So we do know that he was tattooed. We know the ice princess was because she was not mummified. So it is really interesting that hopefully, fingers crossed, one day we do come across a burial that may have some of this, you know, preserved. Although, you know, a lot of Northern Europeans had cremation burials. So we don't, we don't really know. Yeah. I mean, the burial methods of Scandinavia doesn't really, it doesn't help. We either threw people into bogs, which is so iron rich that if there were any tattoos on the skin, they wouldn't be left visible because mm -hmm. the skin is enriched with the, the, the same blackness. Um, I think we might be lucky one day and find someone who died in a glacier because that I was the way that was a preserved Stone Age man in a glacier. And there might be someone who fell down a crevice and that corpse will one day come crawling out and maybe they will have tattoos not come crawling out that's the zombie apocalyptic movie about zombie vikings happening <laughs> um not a bad theme really Draugr. um but um yeah until that day happens and we're just a little bit in the dark i think we'll oh, find it if they, if they did have tattoos by the way i don't think it would be like any other type of form language that they used on any other items because there is a, a thing with um, different types of ornaments used on different materials. You didn't uh, put the same type of patterns on fabric as you did on wood or stone or metal, for example. So uh, I, I, I'm guessing that they would have like almost a sacred form language, something shamanic that would befit the body more. Um, that would have that would been be in so cool. religions. Um, I think that's that's how it would have been. I I developed a form language that I named we named Sirun, speaking secrets or spoken secrets. Um, that is built around runes, but more as a, a, like a primitive tribal ornament type um, that connects to the Viking Age and connects to the runic alphabets, but also connects connects to like um, petroglyphic icons and iconography from previous ages. Uh, it's a modern rendition of it, but it was because I was tired of putting putting the mammon style on people's skin when I think that that's probably not what they had tattooed. Um, so I just started dabbling and, and coming up with other shit because it's all made up anyway. So who gives a shit, really? Yeah, no, you're so right. And I love that. And I think that's incredible because we did talk about this before we even recorded it. It really is all made up anyway. Yes. Yeah, yes, somebody I, uh, at some point made it up. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. 
and it gets thrown at me very often like oh but that bind rune that you just posted it's it's made up yes language <laughs> is made up text is made up anything that you're thinking of right now it's quite made up everything is made up welcome to the universe <laughs> yeah take a postmodernistic approach and everything is made up and is not what it is so yeah. <laughs> absolutely but no bind runes are really interesting especially when people say oh it's made up oh it's not ancient oh it's not x y and z and it's like well bind runes are bind runes they're meant to be doing mm -hmm. certain aspects for the user the wearer what have you but it it's all made up it's symbology <laughs> and even though it's all made up that does not to me subtract the actual value of them even the 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 more modern the Galdrastafir of Iceland the 18th century mm -hmm. and so on there's still powerful magical sigils with yes. meaning and purpose and esoterical power hammered into them when they were created and still if you recreate them if you believe in it then it has that power it doesn't matter that it's not from the fucking Viking age it still <laughs> has a hell of a lot of value Yes. We have we have rune stones that aren't from the Viking Age. Like it, yeah. there's so many cool things with runes and hopefully this will drive more people to educate themselves on it, ask the hard-hitting questions and, you know, fall in love with this kind of artwork and information much like we have. Yes. I mean, motivate people to learn and gather knowledge and then you have given them entertainment for a lifetime. Absolutely. Any other final thoughts? No, um, I think. Oh, go ahead, Peter. I thought she was talking to me. I was like, no, I, this was, I'm learning so much from this because this is not something that I dabble in, but I do know there's a lot of pitfalls and problems, but yeah, Peter, go ahead, take it away. <laughs> so I wanted to mention one thing on the runes and the history of the runes that we haven't really touched on. Yes. Their individual esoterical value, because the runes all have names and has a meaning, um, glued onto them. We talked about the Othal rune or the Othalas rune earlier, which means heritage, right? Mm -hmm. um, the runes are a fun thing. A, a rune, rune possibly means secret. We don't actually know, but it's guessed to mean the word to mean secret because you use the runes for secret things and they had secret mean meanings. And the runes are really interesting because they're both an alphabet that you, it's fon a phonetical alphabet, um, which you should be aware of if you want to use the runes for like really correct spelling, which is fucking tricky. They are phonetical. You you don't spell in the same way as you do with the Latin. Um, and they're also typogra typographical icons, much like uh, if you look down on your keyboard, there's an at symbol somewhere. Um, there is the, uh, the weird uh, at and stuff like that um, and, and stuff like that. That I don't remember the name of. It has a really fancy name that I like. Ampersand? Of. Ampersand, it's, right? Yeah, yes. it's such a good word. Um, those are also typographical symbols. And that's where runes start. Like 14,000 fucking years ago in Portugal, that's the oldest runes. And they would have an, an inherent meaning. They were not an alphabet at the time. They were used as some sort of spiritual symbols in petroglyphic artwork. But they grow and they change as time goes by, just like the modern Latin alphabet is something that has grown from something else. It comes from ancient Phoenician and has changed through thousands of years. And it's the same with the runes. 
but they still have an inherent spiritual or magical value attached to each of them. And I think that's really important to remember. And a lot of people go, oh, but that's a more modern thing that came about with Wiccan and it came about with uh, Alistair Crowley and all these things. No, new stuff was added at the time. Um, for example, uh, upside down runes, the Merc stave concept and uh, the blank rune and stuff like that. That's more modern. That's 50 years ago that that started to come about. And also the Nazis introduced the whole, the op opposite rune thing. The Nazis were really fond of that concept, apparently. Oh, like reading reversals? Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, I did not know that. Um, I when when I use runes for a spiritual purpose, I use them quite directly. I it doesn't matter what way they come out of a bag or are turned on a stick or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, there's plenty of negative. Like you, you don't have to come up with the concept of reverse rune to be able to read warnings and negatives into the runes. Um, because the runes are not just positive. I mean, the, con the one of the runes means horse. Yeah. That can be positive. I can also mention a many negative things throughout my life that has occurred in regards to horses. They bite. So, you know, you don't have to like <laughs> go searching for the Hagal rune for everything to be dark and negative. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In your future that could involve a horse, that's not going to be fun. Like it's it's not impossible to use the runes in the same way that you use tarot cards. And to me, the runes, I use them very similar to tarot cards. Um, I use them to derive directions and meanings and gather gather some enlightenment uh, from again, I rant about this in my bloody book. Um it's a tool, it's a valuable tool. And it doesn't matter if you believe in spirits or not believe in spirits you can use it as a simple psychological tool to help you evaluate your current situation and how the fuck you're going to deal with your future. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's There's a lot of people that get upset when you start talking about magic and spirits and pasts and gods and all these things. I personally don't believe in the Nordic gods. I, I'm very animistic in my beliefs. Um, I was going to ask you that, but I wasn't sure. Because I, I wasn't sure when you came, I'm like, ah, do you believe in the Norse gods? Not that it matters to pertaining to the conversation, mm -hmm. but just out of curiosity. Um, I believe in the concepts of them quite quite thoroughly, but I don't particularly like them because they're so bloody civilized. Um, <laughs> the, the Asia gods are very, very civilized, and they represented a, a, a period in time where civilization becomes a very serious thing. So if you live outside the walls of a community, you're a little bit fucked. Um, and you fall outside of boundaries of the law, you fall outside security. Mm -hmm. uh, you need to be part of this community. And the Norse gods represent it. Like the whole idea of Valhalla is like a bloody castle in the sky, almost up in the tree, um, where Everyone is protected by a giant wall built around it. By the yeah. way, a wall that's built by tricking a giant um, into doing all the hard labor. Very <laughs> cunt-like. Um, you know, uh, the gods are assholes. I'm, yes. I'm much more into the animistic beliefs. I, mm -hmm. I adhere much more to the... If I were to pray to Nordic creatures, it would be the Desir and the animals, the beasts, and to the Jotnar, the, the, the giants, because the giants are most likely older gods, primitive gods that represent ice, fire, uh, primordial powers. Um, Hirukin, the mother of wolves, 
who is, by the way, also stronger than Thor himself. I, why the fuck would I pray to Thor when I can pray to this crazy lady in the forest that gives birth to the wolves and is also stronger than Thor? I, that makes no sense to me. Um, so, That's a very um, interesting approach. I never thought of it that way. Like I said, I'm not super big into Norse paganism. I work more with Hellenic deities and dabble into that area. But I was genuinely curious um, what your take was on that. So I'm happy you brought that up. Because, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would say I, I don't. I'm not the type to pray much, but I do, um, I am dedicated to like the whole animistic concept. I yes. mean, we work with yes. rewilding. We, my worship, my church is the forest and the sea. And I work yes. with my worship by trying to reclaim and protect and rewild. Um, it's a very practical approach to any type of worship. And I don't expect the trees to answer me um or be thankful but the future generations uh will be so that's you know that's answer enough i love that we did a whole episode actually on animism and that approach of working you know um i come from a folk practice uh italian folk practice and my ancestors actually instead of going to church would go into nature and that was their church like they didn't actually believe in the constitution of the church so we we did definitely touch that side of spirituality here because yeah everyone does things differently and i also very much love that approach i think it's beautiful and it's in its own right so thanks for that sharing sounds that with like us. Really nice uh sounds like a really nice way of doing it i've always been amazed that everyone agreed to going to church because someone thought yes. that no you have to go into this very specific building god will only listen inside yeah. these four walls the rest of the time he's deaf yeah, no, I don't believe in that either. No. I don't go to church. <laughs> no, it's it's such an interesting concept. You know, four walls and a roof doesn't make one God listen more than being outside or, you know, leaving an offering somewhere, you know, whether it's in the ocean respectfully or near trees and everything like that. So it's such a beautiful concept. And looking at, you know, of course, the Norse gods and quite honestly, any gods from any pantheon, there's so much duality in all of them that it, it was written by man. It was written by people of that time period. So everybody also yeah. has to go into that with that grain of salt also. Yeah. And it's, I mean, a lot, especially, I mean, I know the most about Nordic mythology, right? And when I look at all the gods that there are, gods and deities in general, within the Nordic pantheon, it's quite clear that one, there they were created well prepared for controversy when someone came along and said but that, that's fallible um and they've also been impacted by controversy like through storytelling someone will clearly have tried to make a bad guy out of someone or make someone weaker like odin is missing an eye tear is missing a hand thor has a splinter of stone embedded in his forehead from a battle these wounds most likely would have come from an ancient type of almost rap battle um, yeah. where you talk shit about other people's gods. Because if you were a priest of Odin, you would want to diminish Tyr. Tyr yes. was, was the father god before Odin. Mm -hmm. So to diminish him, cut his hand off. Just tell a really good story where blah, 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 blah. your god only has one fucking hand. And then the Tyr priest would go like, yes, fuck but he only has one hand because he saved all of you by sacrificing his hand in the mouth of this wolf, come up with story, blah, blah, blah. But you're a, your fucking God only has one eye. 
And then they kind of have to come up with a reply to that one, right? Well, he gave so, up his eye for this. Exactly. And hung himself on a tree in what is a very, very strange uh, mirroring of Christ on the cross and uh, in Nana from the Mesopotamian. Where the fuck is she from? Yeah, she's she is from Mesopotamia. Is it? I think it's Sumer. So, yeah, Sumerian, and she dies and rises again and stuff like that. You know, Mithras. there's all these parallels to Rebra, yeah, zombie gods. Fuck him. I mean, um, you see it with um, Uranus and Kronos, and then him defacing his father, and then Zeus, of course, rising against his father, Kronos. So, yeah, synchronicities, man. I know this is what we talk about here on our podcast, but um, Peter, I want to thank you so much for sitting with us today and talking about all these amazing things in terms of tattoo, you know, what's a Viking symbol, what is not <laughs> Vikings even have tattoos. Um, we really, really appreciate you being here. Plug yourself. Um, I know yes. you have a book, Titan, you have Peter's book, right? <laughs> show it, show it up. I have one of Peter's many books, highly recommend, but Peter, where can the good ghosts and ghouls of sticks and bones find you? Right. So on social media, Northern Black, um, northernblack.oak and stuff like that. I, it, I'll plug it I'm, in the show notes. Cool. We're everywhere except Twitter. Um, lucky oh, Elon Musk. Are we on Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Um, and uh, northernblack.com and northernblack.shop is, you know, my base uh, on the mighty internet. Um, yeah. Come follow. Uh, we also have a podcast uh, called uh, This Bloody Podcast, where we talk fuckloads of bullshit. Um, mm -hmm. It's uh, very diverse. We talk about everything. Um, it's not just focused on the Nordic stuff, um, because in the room that I work in, uh, I'm surrounded by my team, and it's very very diverse with ideas and concepts so we just talk about life and we talk with our clients and just you know whatever the fuck comes along um we just started it up so come follow and have a weird experience it's good fun oh yeah well thank you so much again that's what our podcast is about we just want to chat we want to have a weird experience we want to talk about the weird taboo things because who else is doing it everyone likes to sit in a box no let's talk about the weird concepts and what do you think and what's your belief? So um, once again, we appreciate you. Um, yes. Go follow Thank Peter. You. We'll link all of his social in the show notes. Shout out to Peter's team. And yes. <laughs> yeah, we'll see you next time on Sticks and Bones. We hope you have an amazing day. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.